and gentlemen, may I have your attention, please? This is it! Five, six, seven, eight. You've got talent. Let's see what we can do with it. You're gonna make me believe that you belong on that stage. Dancing on that show is my dream. There goes the neighborhood. Be nice, Batty. First thing, all these trees go. Then come your highways, then come your shopping malls, and your parking lots and your convenience stores, and then come... Price check on prune juice, Bob. Price check on prune juice. And welcome, ladies and gentlemen, and friends beyond the binary, to the movie musical Shakedown. I'm one of your hosts, Chris Peterson, founder, editor-in-chief of Onstage Blog and onstageblog.com. Absolutely thrilled that you're joining us this week for a look at 1992's Fern Gully, The Last Rainforest. Now, I should mention that this movie was not necessarily high on my list of movies to kind of deep dive into on this podcast. However, due to popular demand, because I obviously listen to our listeners and, and listen to what they want to hear, we decided to jump into this one because there is a huge affection for this movie. Now, I'll be 100% honest. I have never seen this film before I watched it for this podcast. So I did not see this when it came out when I was 11 years old back in 1992. Uh, so this was my first experience with the film. And I'll be, I'm going to be honest with you. I struggled with this one to try to figure out why it's as beloved as it is. But Grace is a huge fan of it. And she's going to be joining us in just a minute. So I'm. I, this is more of an educational podcast for me. And I'm not going to rip the film. For those of you who are fans out there, I'm not going to make fun of it and you know say it's a terrible film. I'll just be honest and say I need to know, I need to understand their perspective a little bit more. But we're going to jump into all of that. Now, what I can certainly praise about this film is its environmental message. A message that was ringing loud and clear back in 1992. And sadly... Um, I think we can say that it probably fell on deaf ears with, you know, the, the people in charge or, or the people that could really have an impact on, on changing, uh, climate change and for the better. And I think, you know, without delving into the politics of the, the situation, I think any educated, rational thinking person out there can certainly see that climate change is out there. It's real. Um, and you know, we are in a situation now being, you know, almost 2020, almost 30 years, or excuse me, 20 years since this movie came out, 30 years, excuse me, uh, since this movie came out, that, um, you know, we we didn't really hear the message, and, you know, perhaps it's too late. So, we need to, you know, make sure we're making efforts in that regard. So, we're going to jump into all of that. Um, I'm also going to include links at the bottom of this podcast on, on our webpage, where if you want to learn more about global climate change and possibly donate um, to causes that can help, uh, those resources will be available to you as well. So I want to make sure I mention that. But this podcast is brought to you, as always, by the Onstage Blog Podcast Network, where we're definitely looking to expand, bring some new podcasts out there, um, and really you know, just try, try to cover theater at a whole new level in terms of, of, of what we can do for basically podcasting. So I'm looking forward to that. So let's take a quick break. 
When we come back, Grace is going to be here. We're going to break it all down. But first, as always, here's the trailer. It's raining like magic. Deep in the heart of the forest, there is a magical world where wondrous creatures play the day away. Red light. Red light again. And where an unusual girl named Krista dreamt of faraway places. Hey, where are you going? Until the day Krista ignored the warnings of her friends. Krista, stop! And flew where no one had flown before. There, she made a huge discovery. <laughs> Look out! You shrank me? Yeah. Catches on quick, doesn't it? Are you really a human? I'm Zach. I'm Krista. This weird creature is a human. Don't you think you're a little old to believe in human tails? Humans don't have tails. They have big, big bottoms that they wear with bad shorts. Now, Zack is rocking and rolling with a reptile. If I'm gonna eat somebody, it might as well be you. Blasting off with the Beetle Boys. Hanging oh, oh. ten on a falling leaf. And we're back, and I am now joined with my amazing, amazing co-host. Really has turned this entire podcast around. Uh, Miss Grace Ecke, how are you? Those are my fans. Oh, I know, the fans. The adoring fans stop. throwing roses. so nice. We're doing this live uh, for my cat. <laughs> uh, how are you? I'm, I'm doing well um, myself. Um, how's everything on your neck of the woods? Good, good. Yeah. Thanksgiving was great. I'm like, I don't know if you're the same like me. I don't officially get into the holiday spirit until Thanksgiving is over. I'm not one of those people that's like, it's Halloween and now we're in the Christmas spirit. It doesn't make sense to me, but I don't, yeah, it, it doesn't because the smells are weird. That's where I'm at because like, that's come on. You know that this is a real thing, right? Like as soon as Thanksgiving's done, there's a smell to Thanksgiving, no matter mm -hmm. what you cook or how you celebrate. Mm -hmm. And then there's this smell in the air. You put out a weird candle. You put up the Fraser fur or whatever you want to do. And even like if you're celebrating Hanukkah or whatever you want to celebrate, there's a, there's a smell to the holidays. So until I smell that smell, it's not happening. <laughs> And yeah. you're kind of like in you live in this like epicenter of holidayness, uh, being in kind of the New York, New Jersey area. And are mm -hmm. you seeing already like the frustrating the the fun things of, of the holiday season, but also the frustrating parts? <laughs> I you know what? Maybe I'm just always a glass half full. It's so exciting to me. I think that everyone celebrating everyone being happy at the same time is a freaking blessing. <laughs> like, like let me just be excited that you know what, even if someone like steps on my feet if there's man spreading on the path of the subway i'm just like oh, but you're in the holiday spirit like i should have been an elf too and it's just me singing in a bathroom like uh zoe de chanel but i'm singing like zoe de chanel and i'm like it's the holiday like she's always like half breathing it is what it is i don't know maybe we should do elf for a christmas episode because that's kind of a Kind of. Kind, I mean, it's not. you know, it's not. I'll be honest with you. I've been toying with this idea of like around the holiday season, just like foregoing the musical aspect of this podcast and just yeah. doing holiday movies. So maybe that is definitely one to explore. I mean, it has been turned into a musical. So there's oh, something I'd there. Be very down. That's right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So no, we could do that. We could definitely we could do, do it. It's, it's our podcast. So we can cheat whatever we want. So, whatever we want. Yeah. <laughs> but today we're talking about a movie that, um, I'll be honest with you. Okay, I wasn't. I, I okay. Here's the thing. 
your mission in this podcast this week, Grace, is mm-hmm. to convince me why this movie is as beloved as it is. Because it is beloved. Yeah. I've never seen it. I've never seen this movie until yesterday or two oh days ago. No! Okay, 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 okay. So I cool, watched cool, it cool. Sunday, sat down with my notepad, and I'm like ready to go. And I'm like thinking to myself, this is the hidden gem. Like this is mm-hmm. every like you're not the first person that's told me you've got to watch Fern Gully. So yeah. I'm, I'm ripping into this thing and I'm like, Ooh, okay. Go ahead and do a comparison because Please. I think this is worth noting. The way people talk about Ferngully to me is the way they talk about the Dark Crystal. Hmm. There's people that will tell you like the Dark Crystal is the Jim Henson masterpiece. Da, 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 da. And I'm like, I don't get it. Like, I think it's cool, but I don't get it the way that you're like leading me to this water that I'm supposed to drink. Like, I don't know. So maybe this might be that for you. This is your dark crystal. There you <laughs> this go. This might be your dark crystal. And then everyone, everyone with the never ending story, everyone with labyrinth, everyone with willow. I think this is the cartoon version of that niche. So there let's, you go. let's get in. Let's, let's let's get into it. Let's get into it. So this came out in nineteen ninety two. We just lost like twenty people listening, <laughs> just by being like this freaking nerd. Okay. okay. You know, it's funny. I you know, again, I, when I announced that we were doing this, uh, um, you know, a lot of people were like, "Oh my god, I can't wait to this podcast." So, mm-hmm. like I said, this movie came out in nineteen ninety two, right at kind of the height. I mean, I don't know. I was eleven years old at the time, and you know, I remember this. This was like where recycling started to really become a big like hot topic like we started we to see all of a sudden learned about the rainforest like in a second right exactly mm-hmm. and so this movie comes out and it is so like the messaging in it about you know saving the environment is all over this thing and you know i guess you could say sadly that has become a a timeless um theme in movies because it's something that we see because it's it's obviously still a constant issue uh we haven't learned in the past you know 30 years so um great i'm gonna ask you first time you saw this when if you can remember that far back, what was your reaction to it? The whole nine yards. I know that I was super, super young and I know that I had it on a thick VHS, the kind that the plastic where it would come together, you oh, know, yeah. or you would like snap crackle pop it. And then you'd be like, I have a VHS now. So I, I remember having that with like the crusty edges and I remember popping it in and being so enamored with like the humor of the movie. And like, I was also a fairy girl. Like I had like, Uh, like fairy renaissance ears that I would put on every year with like, you know, the sticky glue and everything. Like I I would make fairy wings out of pantyhose and wire. So like, let's just say that I like fairies. And so that movie already was like, oh, it's about fairies. Oh, they sing. Oh, it's funny. I was already on board. And then when I heard Tim Curry was in it, I was like, okay, this was, (laughs) this was made for me. You know what I mean? So um, my first memory of it is very, very, very young. Like nice. super duper young, and you um, were like upon watching it, you were like on board from the f- the very first time. Like you're all about it. Yeah, because it was also kind of animation style. Oh my god, I'm so sorry. There's like someone. <laughs> hopefully, he's not dying. Uh, happy Thanksgiving. But um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, from the get go, because it was such a clear animation. I think that we were entering this like weird time where there's a lot of animation that was just like too like descriptive and i was like Mm -hmm. you're a little kid you're like no no no. i just want it to look like i understand what a face is um and a tree you know so yeah yeah i was just drawn to it you know what i appreciated about it was it kind of was part of this legacy of the 20th century fox non-disney type of animation 
film. Like they're yeah. gonna, we are going to steer clear of anything that is remotely Disneyized. Um, you know, mm-hmm. with you know the Secretive Nymph, the American Tail movies. Uh, mm-hmm. This is right up. The, I mean, this is definitely a precursor to Anastasia uh, in terms of like just a style of animation, more adult themes and whatnot. So I definitely appreciated that watching it as a thirty-eight-year-old. Like, okay, this is this is great. Yeah. On, on that end, yeah. Yeah, because I mean that that is already such a beloved category mm-hmm. <laughs> of, of animation where we're just like, oh, because it wasn't as appreciated and wasn't like palatable the same way as like Disney is. Because this was supposed to come out the same year as Beauty and the Beast. And mm-hmm. they had to postpone mm-hmm. because they freaked out. They were like, oh, we can't, we can't put this out the same year as Beauty and the Beast. And thank God that they didn't because we wouldn't see it. Like that would have been straight to VHS moment. Right, um, right. It came yeah. out in April of '92, so literally right after the Oscars that year, when Beauty and the Beast yeah. had been nominated. So yeah, no, I, I I can see their 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 point of of pushing it back, and it made sense. It really did. But and they um, three million their first weekend, and they would not, not have done that. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah. that's not bad. That's not bad. Yeah. Let's talk about this cast, um, oh. because it is it is a striking cast um, to look at because you've got some true. Um, legends in, in this yeah. cast and then you've got some people that are like who did you know to get into this movie like who what right. connections did you have um yeah. right off the bat i mean you've got samantha mathis who mm-hmm. uh, is not you know someone that you who jumps out at you saying oh my god you have to put samantha mathis mathis in an animated film and yet i thought she did fine <laughs> it was a fine. fine voice she's fine yeah and her character I mean- the it's same cool. logic that put Meg Ryan in Anastasia is the same mm-hmm. logic that was used here, and we are fine with it. It's mm-hmm. okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was, I was on board. Um, I had no idea that Christian Slater was in this movie when I turned it on. And <laughs> well, that's because also the guy that he's playing, like, if you guys are just going to, like, Google on your phone, Christian Slater, Ferngully, you're going to be like, that guy? That's the voice that they went with for that character? Yeah. It's yeah. very... Um, and he's not, I mean, he's obviously not trying to do at, at any type of difference with his voice. He's just, he's just talking like Christian Slater. Mm-hmm. I, I found it kind of, here, here's my point. So with, with the character of Zach, the human that gets, you know, shrunk down and things like that, they cast basically a relative unknown, Jonathan Ward, who is not, I mean, he does he's known for TV guest appearances, but he's not like even known for like voice acting. He's just had, I think he's had a nice voice. And I'm like, okay, you just landed in this movie. Right, right. For me, I would have been okay if they just switched roles. Like it, it yeah. like if Jonathan Ward had done, you know, um, uh, Pip's voice, and mm-hmm. then you had Christian Slater as Zach, which I think would have been, you Makes know, more way more sense. Way more sense. So I'm yeah. interested to why they they cast it that way. Well, like even if you just to digress quickly from Ferngully, like look at Mel Gibson in Pocahontas. Mm. <laughs> like. Somebody explain to me <laughs> why Mel Gibson for that character of is for John Smith. Um, but then you have uh, the best Batman ever um, playing John Smith's like little apprentice boy that gets shot or wounded or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's like, oh, just switch that. Just, just switch. I don't care. Um, but yeah, 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 for sure. With Ferngully, the casting is probably the biggest enigma of the film <laughs> besides <laughs> everything else. I mean, and then, you know, you also have your favorite, um, Tim Curry, who is not in enough animated films, I feel. like. <laughs> what a like, missed opportunity to just not utilize his voice. I mean, honestly, like, yeah, he, he would have been awesome doing more and more and more. So, yeah, definitely, He's definitely wanted more. Films. Absolutely. And then, of course, um, the precursor 
to Aladdin, we get a masterful performance from Robin Williams. And yeah. I don't know how you feel about this, but when you think, obviously, when when you think about Robin Williams and animated voices, obviously the first thing you think of is Aladdin, because that's like the most iconic thing he did. That and is. I feel like I feel like Batty kind of gets pushed to the backside because it really he is he is very good in this movie. Um, He's so good. And let me tell you, this is how probably askewed and like how obsessed with this one I was. I never associated Robin with Aladdin when I was a kid because mm-hmm. the genie didn't look like him. And, and for some reason in my head, Robin was Batty in my brain because of all the zany faces and then the, the the rap number because I'd seen him do that on like comedy specials and stuff like that. Like I had seen that version of him in my brain for so long and like him and Jack, like that era of him is so specific. Um, and then Mrs. Doubtfire, you know, that was him for me, but you're right. It totally gets lost. Nobody talks about it. And this was something he did before Aladdin. So mm-hmm. I mean, you know, it's, as I was watching it, I didn't hate it. I, I wasn't like sitting yeah. there like, oh, God, this is awful. This is, but I just, I had a <laughs> tough time finding out like what is so beloved, other than Robin Williams, because it's like, you know, mm-hmm. just, you have a soft spot for him. But what makes this movie so beloved? What do you think? Like, why do you think this movie is as, has the following that it does? I think it's, it's just pretty. How silly is that? Like, just to use that word, it's mm-hmm. just pretty. Okay, there's, like, magical fairies. And then, like, specifically, and this is what I was going to say for my Dusty Room moment, so I'll just introduce that now. My Dusty Room moment of, like, watching the, I and I'm blanking on the character's name, but the older um, fairy talking about, like, the history of the people and then the trees and da-da-da. Like, I'm watching, I'm, I'm literally picturing it even, like, when I was a little girl, like all like the lights coming up the trees and it was just so pretty and magical and them dancing on the water together. It's just pretty. It's pretty. pretty. <laughs> it's just pretty. That, that's a good, that's a good reason enough. Well, let's, so you just, you just did a nice segue into Dustin Ramones. Let's get into it. Other than yeah. that, obviously, which I, I agree was a beautiful movie and you're absolutely right. It is a beautifully shot movie. I was really mm-hmm. more concentrated on like the comedy of it, the <laughs> songs like, of it. And I'm like, what? I'm waiting for it. I'm waiting, waiting, waiting. Yeah. Um, but what else made you, what else makes you emotional about Fern Gully? Uh, I think that the, the part, okay, even little and even now, and now more than ever, you watch the thing chopping down the trees and I'm watching it and being like that little girl that was traveled the ocean being like, I should have stayed in school. Like, and I'm like, you're the best. Um, Greta, I'm thinking about people like her and I'm thinking about like our world and how (laughs) we're just not taking care of it the right way. And them just chopping down the trees. I'm like, wow, they were telling us this so long ago and they've been trying to tell us and it got me like upset, you know? Mm. So, uh, yeah, just like watching the destruction of the rainforest gets me sad. Uh, yeah, that's probably what gets me emotional about the movie. Not, not per se, like the feeling of like the love stories or, you know, any of the other relationships in the movie more so like my reaction to the nature. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that let's, let's talk about that for a second, because it's like, when it comes to messages about the environment and, and, Mm -hmm. you know, stopping certain things from preventing, you know, climate change and global warming and all these other things, which by the way, let's be honest, folks, it's real. It's happening. I mean, that's it's yeah. science. I mean, I'm not one of those this people that, science, <laughs> yeah, this is science. Um, 
if if an animated movie twenty years ago can't do it, and if all yeah. these other efforts can't do it, why 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 can't we as a humanity just get on board and just say we got to do something about this? I, it's it's just like you said, it's frustrating. It really is. Yeah, right. And so it that's just hard to watch because you do see how long ago this movie came out, and you go. You know, what have we yeah. done? Like, what do we, what do I feel like we've done? So I think that that part of the movie still registers. And I think it's always going to register because mm-hmm. we should have guilt behind what we're doing. And like, you know, the fact that they're showing it to kids and not preaching about it in a crazy way and not like, you know, like you're doing this. Like, I think that they do it in a really uplifting, like, hey, you should not give a shit about recycling. Like, I don't know. <laughs> you know, I, I think that they do it in a really well, tactful way. Definitely, definitely. Have, let's get into some yeesh moments about this movie. Mm-hmm. Has anything? I mean, I know that it's only, you know it's twenty years ago. Yeah. Um, has anything about this movie been too dated for you, uh, so to speak, or any yeesh moments that you're looking at back and you're like, meh? You know, before rewatching this, I would not have said anything. I would have said it's so cute, and then I yeeshed so hard rewatching this when he sings, "My name is Batty." And he is Batty, and that's Robin Williams. And it's just this really silly rap moment, but it got so I'm trying to impress the kids at school white dad feeling. And mm-hmm. I, I was like, this has got to stop. And I don't know if it was like, this is problematic. Like, forget any of that. It was just uncomfortable. <laughs> so I was like, nah, I could have done without this moment right now. I mean, think? this is, this is, I, I agree. That, that moment was definitely, it was uncomfortable because it was like, yeah, like a dad trying to be cool. It's like, how can I relate? <laughs> I'm hip. I'm with it. Um, yeah, yep. it, it. It definitely spoke to that. I mean, I remember watching, there's a great documentary on Netflix called Hip Hop um, Evolution. And it talks about the evolution of hip hop and rap and stuff like that. And at one segment, they talk about how like white culture kind of used it for commercialized yeah. purposes. So you'd see white guys rapping in commercials and things like that. And this, I, as soon as you started rapping, that's the first thing I thought about. I was like, oh God, like this is, this is like, you know, <laughs> I yes. don't know. One of my favorite films of all time, which if we ever want to just do a film podcast, like may, I, I don't know if the world's ready for that for me, but Wayne's World is one of my top. And there's a part where they hire or they they Wayne Wayne and Garth are like super cool and funny. Long story short, they have a TV show that's like locally syndicated and they have a new sponsor and his name is Noah and he has Noah's Arcade. And he does this bit where he's like, it's hip, it's cool, it's Noah's Arcade. What? And it's like this older white guy. And you're like, this is the problem, you know? And that's what that reminds me of. Yep. Is that and they're all just like, Yeah, it's super cool. And I'm like, who was giving people the green light to do this <laughs> was doing it so that was this moment for me was the Noah's uh, Arcade of the film you're inspiring me to create a new podcast you really are <laughs> uh just so I, I mean because I love Wayne's World too so that's I could talk about that movie for an hour and a half as well so yeah. um but yeah you're right so yeah I agree that was a definitely a huge moment for me and another huge moment overall I guess mm-hmm. you could say about this movie I, I it was actually not me who came up with this my wife actually came up with this as we were watching it she's like this movie's about saving the environment, right? And I was like, yeah. She's like, you know, the, the whole preaching is like, you know, don't set fire to trees, don't kill trees, you know, like you want to save the environment. I was like, yeah. Yeah. She's like, it's an animated movie that was drawn on paper. I like, <laughs> I said, Perhaps the hottest take. And I stopped oh and I was God. like, oh yeah, they used so much paper for this movie. <laughs> so, wow. <laughs> so you know what? You gotta burn a few trees. 
got to save a few lives. To save, I guess. And that's really that's a really <laughs> funny analysis of that moment. What a smart, smart lady. That was smart so lady. good. And I I thought, well, you know, in 2019, if they remake this movie, obviously they do it on computer and they don't have to worry about that. Or they can make a big thing about like we did this with using recycled materials or something like that. Or it'll be Tom Hooper and it'll be everybody in animatronic (laughs) outfits and close-ups starring Taylor Swift. Continue. A weird (laughs) weird hybrid of human fairies and things like that. Um, Or actually, I'm sorry, they already remade it. It was Avatar. Never mind. So, um, Which is, oh, I'm sorry. Are you referring to Pocahontas, the blue film? Okay. I digress. I can't. I actually cannot. <laughs> We're going to talk about that. Um, yeah. But yeah, like it, it definitely was one of those things that stuck out. So I was like, okay, that's kind of a, you know, if they could redo it that, that way. But um, let's get into the the rating, the singing, and the dancing and design. I actually, I actually, before we get to that, I tried to find some some casting what ifs. I couldn't find any. Were you able to find any? I was not able to find any either. I think that this was because it's more low budget. It's more under wraps. Mm. I don't think that we're ever going to find any of that stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, unless one day uh, somebody comes out of the woodwork and be like, it should have been me. Uh, I don't think, I think we're good. I think we're good. All right. So let's get into the rating, the singing, the acting, the dancing and uh, design. So singing, mm-hmm. how do you feel about the singing in this movie? I don't think we can even rate it, Chris. I don't think it's, that we can. It's like a six. Because, I mean, if you're a Sheena Easton true, fan, it's, it's great. Right? right. But it's like, okay, you know, Tim Curry is the Rex Harrison of our generation. Robin Williams is a comedian that's getting through it. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually think the only recording artist that I can <laughs> respect is like Tone Lock, <laughs> which, which, by the way, we will talk about later. So I think mm-hmm. that just, Six. I I actually gave it kind of a non-applicable because yeah, I, I got right. so I I I I honestly thought like okay maybe the villain song is a reason why this is such a cult hit. Uh, well, <laughs> again, Toxic Love is the best part of the film. It really is, and I was just like, okay, that was all right. But like, yeah, I I, I gave it a non-applicable because I just felt like I couldn't read it. By the time we got to Sheena Easton's "Love Is on the Water" thing, I was like. <laughs> Oh my god, it's uh, so emotional. That's all. So emotional. Oh yeah. my gosh. Um, how about the acting in this movie? Um, I actually, I actually like it. I, I gave it an eight. Yeah, I give it. I was, I give it um, a seven and a half actually, because I thought it was, it was fine. Mm-hmm. It was. I didn't feel like the um, the acting was too, I guess, dumbed down. If that makes sense for yeah, kids. like yeah. the way that they capture the reactions of like you know. Um, just like any of the any of the characters reacting to like what's going on around them is not mm-hmm. ridiculous and and especially their relationships to each other. So I don't think yeah, I think it's seven after night. Nice, nice. Dancing. Not a, what do you think? I think the dancing's so cute. Like I just love the bugs. I love the Cheech and Chong moments of the yep. like the little feels. Um I, I I think that the dancing can just be either non applicable or a seven. <laughs> <laughs> One it's either one or the other. other. <laughs> I actually, say? I gave it a seven as well. I said, okay, yeah. that's actually pretty good choreography for an animated film. You know, it didn't really, you know, what are you going to do? But um, I thought it was great. Design. I mean. I think that the design is so consistent. Because when, you, when you're talking about an animated film, to me, it has to be consistent. Because mm-hmm. it can't, it's not fabricated like in real life. You know, so design-wise, I give it like an eight because I, I completely bought into the world that they were in. In the, mm. in the forest, for sure. That makes yeah. a lot of sense. I actually gave it a 10, and here's why. I mean, I think I just have a Don Bluth style anim- of animation 
bias. I don't know what it is. Mm-hmm. Um, it has like this emotional trigger for me, so to speak, of like, yeah, like I'm into this. Um, you know, from a from a design standpoint, and I just always love the look of of those types of movies. So, um, yeah, yeah I, I gave it a ten right there as well. So, mm-hmm. awesome, 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 yeah. awesome. All Easy. right, well, let's get into the bops. Let's get into the bops. Great. Toxic love is probably the reason for every young girl's sexual awakening. I'm not trying to get weird. Not trying to get weird. <laughs> but Tim Curry with the horns, with the with the black sludge that he is in this film, mm-hmm. just the song. Like I would I would fast forward through all the other bullshit just to get to that. And I was like, this is cool. And I'm like, oh, what I'm probably actually registering later in life is like that song was sexy. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, but when I'm little, I'm like, this one's the best one. <laughs> like, so I, I think that's the bop of the movie. If anybody talks about a song that they remember, I think that they remember that one. I, I I agree. That is definitely the bop of the movie, um, so to speak. How about what's not a bop? Oh, my name is Batty. It's not a bop. And they wanted it to be a bop, my friend. They wanted it to be a bop, but it will never be a bop. Not a bop. I actually gave it to A Dream Worth Keeping by Sheena Easton. I felt that that was, that was a song Sweet. that I think maybe they wanted the people to actually sing in the movie, maybe, like mm-hmm. a, a love duet, so to speak. And they just, obviously, I don't think Samantha Mathis had probably had the pipes to do it. Um, so it was very interesting to have Sheena Easton sing it in the movie. And I think this was like the tail end of the the 80s glory where she, you could probably get away with a song like that in a movie like this, um, right. so to speak. So, yeah, I was like, eh, not 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 a great song uh, on that end as well. Um, all right, let's get into our awards. Let's do it. Let's do it. Um, this is kind of weird because not a lot of people sing in this movie. So... Let's let's do this. Instead of giving it for the Julia Award for just like just voice by itself, just like I guess performance wise, like who gets your your Julia Award for the best overall performance in this movie? Am I annoying for saying Tim Curry this much? Like, is it a problem for everybody if I just say Tim Curry this much? But I will say, I will say, I'm still obsessed with him. I don't care. He's the best whatever like (laughs) I you know the way he's used his voice is so iconic the way he's lent his like characterizations of things is just really impeccable to me and I think maybe because I'm just obsessed with like character acting and character voices but I just think that 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 performance from him is always going to stay something that we reference and I and I want it to so I'm just gonna say it was him him. I mean I'll be honest like how I I thought about this too when has Tim Curry been in something that that I didn't like. And I started thinking about like all the movies that I've seen him in from Home Alone 2 to It to obviously Muppet Treasure Island, Muppet Treasure Island Rocky Horror, yeah. uh, Clue. Oh my yeah. God. I didn't even think about Clue. Yeah. Um, it's like Hollow. What's the, what's the Halloween witch movie that he did? Like the littlest witch. Or Is it the he witches? Does this- no, he's not in the witches. It's not the witches. It's like, I think it's like the littlest witch or something. He does this Halloween oh, song. And I know it's what you're talking about. in front of a green screen. And it's the cheesiest looking thing I've ever seen, but it's glorious. Yeah. And so he's just, he's an amazing actor. Greatest eyebrow game, I think, in the history of, of film acting. Um, oh, so yeah. Yeah. yeah, three cheers for that guy. Um, I, I actually, I, I gave it to Tim Curry as well, because it's just like, how can he not be uh, the Julie of this movie, so to speak. So, yeah, um, how about good. how about Russell Crowe? Any Russell Crowes for this movie? I said Christian Slater because he's freaking useless. I don't know in this in this moment in this moment, chillax people. There's some huge Christian Slater fans out there. Well, guess what? He's not in Heather's the musical, so you need to calm down. There you um, go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's where I'm it at. It felt just... like 
it felt like someone gave Christian Slater said, here's 50 grand and here's a microphone. Just say these lines in front of your face. And it was like, if there was like a mailing in of capable of, of, it it was that. And actually what's interesting is that this is 92 is when you, you started to see the downfall of Christian Slater. Um, I was going to say. Yeah. The substance abuse stuff, the, um, the slowdown of career. So maybe that had something. This is not Mr. Robot. No, (laughs) and this is not Heather's cuffs. Um, This is like right before Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves, like where this is like bad Christians. Like we're not getting into some good things here. So (laughs) yeah, he got, he got one there as well. Um, How about your bumlets? Any bumlets that you had in this movie? I said Tomlock because if you guys don't know, he also sings Funky Cole Medina. Yep. He plays like the very sludgy slug in this movie and sings that if I'm going to eat anybody, it might as well be you. Um, which is funny, and like you can clearly hear his voice. And if you take this, is a clear example of that guy was popular right then, and we do it in in movies all the time now. Like Aziz Ansari in that, like what he plays like a salamander or something in mm-hmm. that other movie, or like Beyonce's a character. And you're like, in 20 years, are we going to be like, I remember when Aziz Ansari was on fire because he was in that movie as like a random character. That's what Tone Lock is in this moment in 1992 because he had also, I don't know, just done or was about to do Blank Check. Do you guys remember Blank Check? Blank Check. Oh my He's God. In, exactly. So he was like on fire. Do we know where he is? <laughs> What's he recording right now? Who knows? But that's to me, it's so funny because that's how you can tell when the movie was made is when you can like find a, a random character or a singer that has like one bit part and you're like, ah, that's when that was made because that guy was popular then. There you go. There you go. Um, for me, it was actually um, the the actors who played Rock and Ock, the um, the two yeah. like bird creatures in the beginning. Uh, yeah. Just because it's like it's Jim Cummings, who's probably the most. Mm-hmm. Or, excuse me, Brian Cummings, who's one of the most you know iconic uh, voice actors, and also Anderson Wong uh, out there as well, who is is another um, voice actor who's been everything from like Chip and Dale's Rescue Rangers to like. Uh, <sighs> you know, the original Smurfs and, you know, I think he was like one of the largest voices on, on the original, like scrappy do, uh, you know, stuff oh. like that. So yeah, he's, he's been all the place. So seeing them and hearing their voices, I was like, Hey, it's those guys. And you then could I tell. Yeah, nice. exactly. So those, those definitely got my, uh, my attention on that end. So awesome. Well, last question mm-hmm. for you, Grace, should this get a remake? Now I will preface this that technically it did. Cause we did have avatar, which is, Okay, I, I I'm cutting on Avatar. It is a second I saw this movie. Yeah. As I'm watching this movie, I'm like, oh my god, they Avatar stole everything. Oh, every from Kringola. freaking bit, every freaking bit from this and Pocahontas. I'm like, should I marry Kukulwam in the theater? I was sitting there and I literally screamed that, and the people were like, please stop, because I was like, no, this is the part of Pocahontas where this would happen. And then mm-hmm. I was talking about Ferngully, and nobody knew what I was talking about. So I was like, oh wow, that's why they got away with it because it's doesn't it's not as known uh yeah and it's the same company so it's it's both (laughs) movies were 20th century fox so it's like oh my god and so i just i it's one of those things where i i was very when i saw avatar Mm -hmm. i was really annoyed by it just just because i was annoyed by the movie and then now seeing this i'm like oh my god this is even worse um how could they do this and then i realized it's the same studio so they're not gonna do anything about it um but both now are disney properties so there you go so (laughs) I'm sure we'll get Ferngully Island and Disney World in 2058. 2058. Speaking of which, have you gotten onto the Disney Plus, you know, uh, wave? 
Okay. I waited a full week. I waited a full week. I was like, this will blow over. I'll be fine. And everyone was tweeting about it. And I actually broke down and got on my card. That's how Disney works on your The soul. FOMO got to you. Yeah. It got so difficult because here's what I learned. I learned about Encore. And I know that everybody that's listening to us right now probably watches Encore on Disney+. Plus. If you don't, this is we are being paid right now by Disney executives to pimp yep. Encore. Um, Literally Encore, standing show, behind me with my check. Yep. Yeah. It, well, it's happening. It's one of those big checks, too, that they show you on TV. And uh, <laughs> it's this show that Kristen Bell is, like, in charge of, essentially. And, like, high schools get back together to do show. It's literally a high school theater nerd's dream come true. Yeah, I got Disney Plus solely for that show. <laughs> I love it. I love yeah. it. So, should this get a remake? I mean, I, you know, it, it's. I know we had, you know, Avatar. I know that it's, you know, almost thirty years old. Mm-hmm. Is this a movie that we can revisit, especially no. with keeping how climate change is still relevant? You know what? We can't because we can't have anything good. You know what's going to happen if we <laughs> we can't? You know what's going to happen if we try to remake this movie right now? It won't be fun. It won't be funny. It won't have any kind of sense of humor or sweetness to it. It's just going to be preachy. And I think that mm. every kid is being preached to right now, which, and, and, and rightfully so, I'm not like crapping on that idea, but this movie gets the point across in a really palatable way. And I don't think that we could do that right now. I just don't think as a society, we're going to do that. What do you think? I'm with you. I'm, I mean, I thought to myself, maybe like, okay, now that Disney technically owns it, mm-hmm. um, could we see some sort of sequel? Um, and I'm just like, yeah, I don't know if that's, it's, it's, a, it's a weird movie. Cause it's like, do I think they could make a sequel, make it be, you know better than the original? Sure. I mean, it's, sure. it's possible, <laughs> but um, at the same time, it's like, I don't know. It's like, what, what positive message will we you know, be able to say? It's like, okay, 20 years later, it, what the messaging <laughs> of the first movie, it didn't work. Fern Gully 2, Return to the Rainforest. It's gone. It's gone. <laughs> it's what, all gone. What, like, what a, you know, you know, our, our earth is Potter. Like, I don't know how we could possibly save it, let alone save our planet. Oh my god. So oh yeah. Well, I mean, it, there's obviously a lot that we can do. And actually at the tail end of this episode, I'm gonna put in some um plugs for some sites that people can go to to get some good research. And if they want to donate to environmental causes, they absolutely can. So we'll definitely That'd make sure wonderful. we include that information. So Grace, that's going to wrap us up. Yeah. Oh my God, we zipped through this, mo- this this episode. Anything going on? Anything you want to plug? Anything that you want people to know what's going on with you? As always, I am on Instagram and Twitter. I just had my first viral tweet, you guys. What? I'm pimping it out. I know, I know. You're going to die. Um, it was, and by the way, you can follow me on Twitter. Please. Um, mine is at Grace Akichan, G-R-A-C-E-A-K-I-C-H-A-N. I know I got a total of like 20 new followers, which is absolutely shocking. Um, but I tweeted in the middle of the night um, if, uh, no, I said the best shows on Broadway are about death. Send tweet. <laughs> because I was watching the Thanksgiving Day Parade and last week I had seen Town and Alex Brightman is literally giving us all new lyrics that are just Thanksgiving, like based about the whole being dead thing. And they're all mm-hmm. new lyrics. And I was like, this guy, like uh, just, I'm just amazed, it, you know, like he makes it fresh and new every single time the lyricists are killing it. And I was just cracking up. I was like, yeah, I guess I really do just like death shows. Like I just like it when people die on stage or whatever it is, or the show is about mortality. 
And um, yeah, and then it got like 2,000 likes over the weekend. So wow, like, I'm looking oh, at it now, and I just retweeted it on our Twitter account. So Thank hopefully you. that 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 gets even bigger. But look at you! I, I mean, the fame has gotten to me. I drink yeah. sparkling water now. It's crazy. Yeah, I can't even look at you. It's like, oh yeah. my god, like it's shocking. So great. So right. I love it. Well, that's awesome. That's awesome. That's great. And like I said, you know, it's, I think when anytime like someone comes out with something witty on Twitter and stuff like that, like <laughs> it should definitely be reshared. And that's, that's actually a true because I do, I agree that the best shows on Broadway are usually about death. Um, there you, there go. you go. I love it. I love it. Well, folks, you can listen to this podcast and all of our podcasts on the Onstage Blog Network at onstageblog.com. And um, mm-hmm. we are on Spotify, iTunes, anywhere you can listen to your podcast basically we are getting out there our last podcast for instance which was uh what was our last podcast? Was ever after no not ever after <laughs> enchanted. Enchanted. enchanted thank you enchanted got over five thousand listens in the first 48 hours so we are getting out there it's Yay! blowing up and That's so amazing. um so soon, sooner or later folks you're not going to be able to look at me and grace because it's just like we're just, it's we're, too we're, much you'll have to go for our people I love it. I love it. Well, Grace, thank you so much. We are, we should definitely try to do a holiday movie next Yeah, time. and I if mean, you guys have suggestions, please write on the Onstage blog, you yes. know, uh, Facebook, whatever you want to do. Like, please send suggestions our way. We love this. So exactly. we will keep going. One, one, one of them, and I'll just tease it because I definitely want to do it um, okay. because I, I've already done it. But I hated the way I recorded it, and I was like, I just did a terrible job. Is the Muppets Christmas Carol? We need to. Oh, uh, I need to take another crack at that. So done. absolutely, For sure. absolutely, great. Thank you as always. I really yeah. appreciate it. All right, folks, we'll see you next next week on the movie musical shakedown. Love is like oxygen. Love is a many splendid thing. Love lifts us up where we belong. All you need is love.